Okay, good morning, uh, dear brothers and sisters. I'm speaking Philip Nunn here from Eindhoven, from Poland. We've had a few little hiccups here in the communication, but I hope that we can... Um, can you hear uh, me now, brother? Yes, I can hear you. Uh, is it going okay, okay now? Yes. So, um, what I would like to do this morning with you is to compare the Christian life with a, with a journey. When we need to travel somewhere, we take a suitcase or rucksack. When you're traveling within the state of Colorado, for example, with your car, it's not so complicated. You just open the back of your car and you just put your suitcases or bags or whatever, your clothing and sport equipment, whatever you want to take with you, your tent, and put it there. But a few years ago, I was invited to, um, to, to visit Congo in Africa. And then I was going to fly to Kinshasa, the capital. And from there, another flight of two hours to another place. And there, a jeep to somewhere else. So when I was packing for that journey, that was a two-week trip, two trip, I was very concerned about what should I take. I put my suitcase on the on the bed and I thought, now what shall I take? I don't want to be like that man in this picture with too many bags and things because it's awkward with these flights, internal flights and Jeep travels and so on. But neither did I want to turn up and forget my toothpaste or my deodorant or something like that because out in the sticks, where on earth would I buy another one? So life is a bit that way too. We carry some things, but we want to carry just what we need and not carry more than what we need. Um, perhaps here's a picture which... Um, um let me see now <clears throat> yes you see that picture that some people's lives that they feel a bit that way uh, they're, they're carrying lots of things with them and um and sometimes life can be quite heavy with responsibilities from 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 family from children from from work uh, church or whatever and there you go as a little donkey pulling all your responsibilities and weights along maybe some of you this morning are feeling a bit like this that you're feeling uh, you know, quite tired carrying the weights. Maybe someone is sick at home. Maybe financial things now with all this corona and COVID problems, maybe you, you feel quite, uh, quite, uh, quite heavy and uh, you're feeling ready kind of to, to give up. I was quite amused when I came across this one uh, on Google Images a while back. Sometimes our problems can bring us closer to the Lord. And that is true in my experience, and I think in the experience of many other people too. Now, before I go further and we look into God's word, I would just like to ask God's blessing over our meditation on his word this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you've inspired your word, the Bible, that you, it is a living word, that you speak through it, uh, through your Holy Spirit, to our hearts every time we open it. And we pray, Lord, that your spirit would be Available also present this morning, taking your word and reaching hearts with your word. You know what each one of us needs. And we pray, Lord, that you would provide to each one what we need. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, um, there's, there's a few um, Bible texts, uh, scriptures that talk about, compare the Christian life also with a race or with a walk or a journey or carrying different weights. Here's a beautiful one in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, 
and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Now we see a number of interesting things in this Bible text. The race, the, the life is compared to a race, and there are two things that can cause a problem in this text. He says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. There are different weights and also sin. Not all the things are sin. Some things are just weights that make it difficult for us to run the Christian life. And therefore, the scripture says, you know, of course, we need to get rid of sin in our life. Makes it difficult to run our Christian life. But also some other things that can become weights. Um, we're also called to run with perseverance. The Christian life is not a race of 100 meters. It goes fast as you can and there you go. No, the Christian life is, is years. And we have ups and downs and sometimes it's sunny and sometimes it's raining. And sometimes it's quite heavy. And we're encouraged to run with perseverance. To travel with perseverance in this race before you. Maybe you are feeling sometime this, this week, you know, this kind of, I'm getting tired of all these restrictions or carried of this kind of lifestyle. I don't know. I, the encouragement from God's word this morning is to run with perseverance this race which is marked out for us. And how do we do that? With our eyes, it says there, with our eyes fixed on Jesus. When we fix our eyes on each other, we sooner or later find weird things, strange things in each other. But if we fix our eyes on the Lord Jesus, then we know it will be okay. In him, we never find any, any problems. Here's another very beautiful text, and these are words from the Lord Jesus in Matthew 11, verse 28 and 30. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, perhaps I can ask you a question. Is this Bible text, are these words of the Lord Jesus, are they uh, addressed to non-Christians? Is this an evangelistic passage? Or are these words addressed to Christians? Is it a passage to edify believers? Is it for non-Christians or is it for Christians? Now, some people say it's an evangelistic text and many people have preached the gospel based on these texts. Others say, no, no, this is more for, for Christians with an application for non-Christians or something like that. A number of years ago, I was very encouraged when I read a commentary which helped me understand to see the difference. The word rest comes twice in these texts. In the verse 28, the suggestion then, now is my proposal for you this morning, is that verse 28 is an evangelistic text. And verse 29 and 30, it is a, ver a, a verses for Christians. So the, verse 28, Jesus is speaking to the non-Christians. He says, come to me if you're weary and burdened with sin, and I will give you rest. I'll give you forgiveness of sin. It is only the Lord Jesus who can forgive our sins and uh, give us that rest for our souls. And then once we are Christians, Jesus in verses 29 and 30, he teaches us how to live a Christian life. 
take my yoke upon you, as you as Christians, and learn from me. For I am a gentle and humble of heart, and will find rest for your souls, your psyches, your souls, your emotions. Your... So in the verse 28, he gives rest to those who trust in him and give his life to him. And then in verse 28, 29, he's teaching us Christians how to live the Christian life so that we can find rest for our souls. Have you ever seen a stressed out Christian? I have. I felt quite stressed myself at times. So verse 28 and 29, the Lord Jesus teaching us how to live that Christian life and how to find rest for our souls. And we learn that my yoke, says Jesus, is easy and my burden is light. Maybe some of you have seen this. Uh, it's a film, also a book, The Pilgrim's Progress. It was written by this British evangelist uh, a couple of years ago, uh, maybe nearly 400 years ago. Now, he was an evangelist in England, and in that time he was preaching on the streets without a license, so he was put into prison. And while he was in prison, he wrote this book, The Pilgrim's Progress. And there's a story about a man who leaves the city of tradition and is heading, walking on his journey towards the, uh, uh, yeah, towards heaven or towards the, his destination in God's presence. And on the way, he has different experiences. But one of the interesting parts of this story, I remember as a kid watching this film, my father used to show it quite often in his evangelistic, uh, uh, evangelistic meetings in the open air in South America. It was when the pilgrim's progress is burdened with a big uh, you know, rucksack of sin, and he climbs the hill looking for forgiveness, and he reaches a cross. And when he kneels down before the cross, this big bundle of sins, pictures of sins on his, on his back, rolls off, and he receives that forgiveness and that, um, uh, that, that he receives that rest for his soul. And after this, that's his conversion moment, then the story carries on where, where, um, where uh, the pilgrim is carrying on on his journey um, and he learns a number of things on his way. Maybe before we carry on, I can ask you, have you really received the forgiveness of your sins? Jesus, if you have, you can come to a church, you can listen to songs for a long time, but we need that moment where we come burdened with our sins, with our conscience and say, Lord Jesus, I need your forgiveness. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you died on that cross for my sins. I open the door of my heart. I receive you, whichever words you want to use, and you give your life to Jesus. When we turn humbly to him and ask for forgiveness and give our life to Jesus, he forgives our sin. He gives you rest. He gives us rest. And we need that. That's the only way we need to begin the Christian journey. And there's a small way. There's only one door. And Jesus is that small door. And we need to go through Jesus. There's no other way. But once you've given your heart to Jesus, then we, we begin the Christian walk. And the next verse, the rest of what I'm going to say today, is more directed to Christians to help us. How do we live then with these different burdens that come our way? So verse 28, we need to come to Jesus in repentance, give our life to him, and we receive that rest. And now verse 29 and 30, 
how can we find that rest for our souls? Now, are all the burdens in the life of a Christian, are they all bad? Do we have to get rid of all our burdens? Now, perhaps some lazy Christian think, oh, I like this idea of rest, just laying around all day and just rest, rest, rest. This is where the Christian life does have its burdens. Now, my wife and I, we have four children. Now they're growing up now, the youngest is 22 and the eldest is nearly 30. Question, are children a burden? I'm not saying it's negative, but children do bring a lot of work in your life. You have to, you know, you have to get, take them to school and buy shoes and help them with their homeworks and sometimes take them to the hospital at nighttime because their ear is hurting or their stomach is upset or something. Now, there's a lot of work involved in bringing up children. They are a burden, but a good burden. What about your job? Now, if you haven't got a job, you haven't got any study, you can stay in bed until 10 in the morning. But if you have a job, you have to get up on time. You have to be somewhere. You have to log on or whatever you're doing. Work is a burden. But it's a good burden, which God, we want to work. It gives uh, richness to our lives. What about a wife? Is a wife a burden? Or your husband? Is your husband a burden? No, i let you sort that one out. But I want to point out is that there are some good burdens, appropriate burdens in our life, and we need to learn how to carry those burdens. And there are also some burdens which we need to get rid of. So as, as we've just read there in Hebrews chapter 12. Let's look, let's start then focusing on those, the burdens um, which I would consider then good or proper, or proper burdens. Look, if we go to Galatians, for example, we, we find that verse in Galatians 6, carry each other's burdens. And in that way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. So this text doesn't say to throw away burdens. Like in Hebrews 12. Now here is carry. The, the, the burdens that are not correct burdens, we should learn to throw away. And I'll come to those in a minute. But there are proper burdens, appropriate ones, which God has given us to carry. And we need to learn how to carry them. And verse, uh, here verse 2 says, carry each other's burdens. In verse 5, the same chapter says, for each one should carry his own, his own load. I think the Greek word there is, is that, that uh, like the rucksack, the soldier, the Roman soldiers would carry their own things. Each one needs to carry. So this reminds us that there are some special loads which we can share in a family. We can share them in the local church. Sometimes, yeah, the, the burden of bringing up children to please the Lord and run in his ways. I'm glad to just watch your program, your, your, your church service just now, when you're giving attention to the children in the church. Well, when we as a church give attention to the children, we're helping the parents carry the burden of bringing up children. We're sharing that burden. Sometimes the issue is about ill health or something, and someone is ill at home, and we as a church can come together and help carry that burden of ill health. Sometimes the burden is a financial crisis, and we as a church can come together and help share that burden. But what verse 5 reminds me of, is that there are some things in your life, maybe some things in my life, which are burden, which are appropriate burdens. And the Lord says that we need to learn to carry them alone. 
each one should carry his own burden. When you try to find people to empathize with that difficult responsibility or situation you are living, and you can't find them, you can easily become frustrated or cynical with your brothers and sisters in the church. No one understands me. No one realizes how tough this is. Maybe with a difficult marriage situation, maybe with a handicapped child, or maybe some financial issues that you think no one really understands. Well, sometimes we can share our burdens and sometimes each one should carry his own load. We need to learn to carry that burden together with the Lord. Where do, um, where do these proper and good burdens come from? Now, I would say these good burdens, appropriate burdens, they come directly or indirectly, they come from, from God. He gives them to us directly. He gives us children. He gives us a wife. He gives us a job. Or it can be indirectly sometimes, but the appropriate ones, they come from the Lord. Um, and we should not run away from these responsibilities. I notice here in Holland, it's becoming quite, quite common for people to want to live together without getting married. Even Christians are beginning to follow that trend. They want to have the joys of marriage without the burden of responsibility. Oh, to get married, you know that. No, marriage is a responsibility. It's a good burden. We need to learn to carry that burden, to receive it from the Lord and carry it with the Lord. Um, how do we carry these good burdens? Well, I would suggest there are two. Um, the first is that when a burden is appropriate, we need to learn to receive that burden from the law. Receive it from the law. In Acts 20, verse 24, uh, Paul says, complete the task he had, the Lord has given me. The responsibilities Paul had were quite heavy on his shoulders, but in his mind, he had received these responsibilities from the Lord. If you can say, I receive these responsibilities, my, my wife or my husband, or receive my children, my job, you receive this difficulty from the Lord, it will be better prepare you to carry them. In Colossians 4, verse 17, Paul encourages Archippus. He says, see to it that you complete the work you have received in the Lord. The Lord, the proper, the proper burdens, we can see them as given to us by the Lord, and he will encourage us then to, to, um, to live with them. Now, I, I, before we move on, there's a difficult one here. How do we hand on, how do we deal with sicknesses? My brother, my younger brother lives in London. His wife is 50 years old and she's in a wheelchair and she has MS. They used to be missionaries in India. They had to come back because of her health. And her health is just getting worse and worse as the years go by. She's lost her yeah, sight on one eye and uh, difficult to eat, difficult to talk. How do you go on? Yes, you pray for healing. Yes, you ask the Lord. He can do a miracle and he sometimes does. But after a while, how do you continue this long, long, long suffering? How, how, do, you, how do you handle that? To say that where all this sickness comes from Satan, we need to get rid of it in the name of Jesus. Well, life is somewhat more complex than that. So if after, play, after my brother says, after 
clean for years for healing and nothing happens, then somehow we have to give it a place in our life and says, Lord, I don't know why you allow this in my life. I want to live a good Christian life with my situation. I want to honor you in the way I deal with and handle my wife and love my wife in a wheelchair. Learning to receive things from the Lord's hands sets us in the right attitude to progress. And the second thing which we learn from here from Matthew 11 is that we need to carry this burden not alone but together with him. Jesus says, come to me and put your neck under the yoke and let's carry this together. Now, yokes are not so much used today. Before they were used very much. I saw them in Egypt. They still use them up and down the Nile Valley. A yoke, like the picture here, you see, a yoke is not a sports equipment. It's not for the fun. A yoke is a working equipment. It's like a big M, something like a McDonald's sign. And on one side is the neck, goes the neck of one animal. On the other side, the neck of the other animal. And the picture is Jesus says, don't carry your, are you stressing yourself out? Don't come to me and put your neck under my yoke, and we'll carry this together. And here, dear brothers and sisters, is the, the lesson Jesus gives us to cut out all the stress in our Christian life is receive these burdens from me and learn to carry them together with me. <clears throat> Not alone, come to me, put your neck under it, and together we will bring up your children. And together we'll work at your marriage. And together we'll work at your job. And together we'll work, we'll, we'll handle that sickness in your, in your family. Not alone. And if you do that, if you come to me, if we do it together, you will find peace for your soul. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you, says Peter in 1 Peter 5, 7. So that is the, the tip the Lord Jesus gives us for us Christians to handle the appropriate um, loads. What about the unnecessary burdens then, or the bad burdens? I will um, like to spend the rest of my time talking about these ones because when we identify bad burdens, the strategy is completely different. We don't want to carry bad burdens, we want to get rid of burdens. The Christian life is complex and difficult enough not to have to live with all these unnecessary burdens. So I'm just going to get out of this, um, get out of this screen so we have a full screen. Yes, I think something like that. Yeah. So I would like to talk now about the um, unnecessary or these bad burdens. Where do these unnecessary or bad burdens come from? Now, in Scripture, we notice that sometimes these bad burdens come from Satan. If you read the story of Job, for example, he was having a fairly normal life until Satan asked permission to have a go at him. And he, yeah, he had lots of problems caused by Satan. Demons can also cause problems if we allow them to take foot in our life. But there is another source of our weights and difficulties, the bad ones, is from other people. Sometimes we can make the life difficult for fellow believers. We can start um, imposing conditions, requirements. Now, if in our church, if you want to follow Jesus, you need to dress this way, you need to do this, you need to do that. And we can invent a certain protocol that makes it difficult for Christians to follow Jesus. That is the problem with the Pharisees in Jesus' time. 
that they made, they put weights on people's shoulders. And Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 says, it is, not, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burned again by the yoke of slavery. Don't let yourself be yoked by the uh, yoke of slavery. You, uh, 1 Corinthians 7.23, you were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. Now, it is easy to put loads on the shoulders of other people, even with good intentions. <coughs> we worked for, my wife and I served the Lord in Colombia, South America as missionaries for 15 years. And um, when we left in 2007, I realized that a number of things I was doing, I, well, I need to stop everything because I was leaving. And some of the things I thought, I'll find someone to hand this over. And some things, some of the ministries I've involved, I think it's best to close them down. If you can find someone who's called by the Lord to, to carry on a ministry, then you hand it over. If no one feels called to do it, and you hand it over anyway, you put a burden on someone's heart. If people don't love children, and you ask them to hand, you hand over the children ministry to someone who doesn't really feel a burden for children, it becomes a weight for them, a responsibility they is just not their thing. So I learned that when we left, a number of things we closed and some things we could handle to avoid putting weights in the rucksacks of my fellow brothers and sisters. Now, but my conviction is that most of those bricks that we put inside our rucksack, we put them ourselves. Yes, Satan can put some. Yes, maybe other Christians, all the people can put weights in our rucksack. But I think most of the weights we put in our rucksack, we put them in there ourselves. And I want to explain that because once we realize how we put them in, we can also learn how to take them out and then live lighter and run, run better our Christian life before us. My proposal, dear brothers and sisters, is that the unnecessary weights we put in our own rucksack, um, nearly always have to do, are connected with a lie. We believe the lie, and when we believe the lie, we get a big stone, a big brick comes into our rucksack. Uh, let me explain. Um, just imagine um, that Phil, um, I don't know what Phil's job is, but let's imagine that he's uh, selling the fridges. He's got a company that imports, imports uh, fridges from Germany, say, and he's distributing uh, good quality fridges around Colorado. And he's got 10 salespersons. Now, some of these uh, sales people are very good and can sell, uh, you know, they sell uh, uh, 50, 100, say 50 fridges in a month. Other ones, you know, sell 30 in a month. And there's, say, two of his workers that only sell two or three a month. Now, Imagine that because of all this corona problems, you know, the, the sales are going down, the financial situation is difficult, and Phil has to call his 10 salesperson, personnel, and he says, sorry, you know, we have to cut our personnel because we can't carry on this way. Which of the salespersons will Phil dismiss or send home? Well, we know what's going to happen. Those who sell less, will be said, sent home. So thank you very much for you know, helping out. 
but we know we send home those who sell less. We know since our youth that those who produce are more appreciated. When you're at school and you get high grades, you're praised more by your teacher and parents. And if you get low grades, you feel less appreciated. When you play an instrument and you play well, people clap. When you don't play well, people just smile or they don't even let you play. So we're, we're built in this capitalist idea that we are appreciated on the basis of what we produce. Now, then we become Christians and we carry that way of thinking into our Christian life. And we think that God appreciates me on the basis of what I produce. So if I am more useful to God, if I produce more, if I can serve him more in the, ch in the with music, with the children, with the church, whatever, if I produce more, he will love me more. And when we think that God, God's love is linked to our productivity, we put a big stone inside our rucksack. Because we're never producing enough, we can always do more. And sometimes we don't feel loved. And that's a big lie. I have four, we have four children. I love my four children just as much if they get good grades or bad grades. They're my children. Three daughters, one son. They're my children. <laughs> Look, the Lord loves you, my dear brother and sister, so much that he cannot love you more. It doesn't matter what you do. He cannot love you more. And once you, that, that comes into your here and into your heart, then you say, well, I don't need to work to get God's acceptance. I am accepted in the beloved. I'm accepted. I'm okay this way. He's happy with me. He loves me. And then you serve the Lord because he loves you, not trying to gain his love or gain his attention or his. When we try to win the love of God, we put a big brick inside our rucksack. If that's your case this morning, that you're trying to win God's love, I would say, listen to the words of the Lord Jesus. Come to me if you're burdened and put my, you know, let go of that lie. Recognize it. Get rid of it and trust in that great love the Lord has for you. Another big brick we put into our rucksack is if someone has that idea that, um, that I can hide my sin instead of confess it. You remember the story in the Psalms where David, he had adult, he adulterated with Bathsheba and uh, made her pregnant. And then to try to cover things up, he, he arranged for the death of the husband and uh, he really made a mess of it. And then you read in Psalm 32 that when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. And here we see a very important principle. When we know that we have sinned and we pretend we haven't or we hide it, we walk around with a big burden, a big rock in our rucksack. It makes it difficult to run our Christian life. When you're laying in bed, you wake up and you think of this sin. 
you try to justify why pornography is okay because you're married and you've seen everything before. There's nothing really bad about it. Or you, you filled in wrong your tax form because, you know, well, after all, well, the government is misusing my funds anyway. So uh, you try to justify, yes, yeah, so if you've spoken badly about someone else, you've damaged their reputation and, and somehow you, <clears throat> you justify it. You spend a lot of time in your mind trying to justify sin. And it becomes heavy. The Lord Jesus says, come to me, man, confess your sin, receive my forgiveness, and get that big stone out of your rucksack. And that helps you run better your Christian life. Don't hide sin. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness. You know that text, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. It's an invitation to get rid of that brick of sin in our life. Now, we were all created initially to be, live in a perfect world. When Adam and Eve were created, the world was perfect. You know that Genesis 1 and 2, there was no sin. Sin only came in in chapter 3 of Genesis. So something we're wired to live in a perfect world. So, yes, it irritates us when we see things that are not perfect, are not good. But that demand for a perfect world can become a massive big weight in our rucksack. We call it perfectionism. When you expect your wife to be perfect, when you expect your husband to be perfect, and you're always having a go at a go at trying to make, you know, trying to make, you, you expect your children to behave in a perfect way, but they're not. They're just so as imperfect as you, as parents. When you have that um, demand for perf demanding spirit, perfectionism, you put a big burden in your rucksack. You make it difficult for yourself. You're never happy in a church because every church has funny odd things. And then you're always pushing and pushing, trying to get the church to be the way it should be. Your job is never perfect. You need to change job again. You're never satisfied. You're always frustrated. And that's not the way the Lord wants us to live our Christian life. Perfection comes only in heaven. So we need to learn to live peacefully. Yes, we want to do our best. But to live, to realize that we live in a broken world, it will never be perfect down here. Who is the only person, who is the person who changes people? It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who comes in to live inside us, begins to work, to change us, to bring us into the, into the image of the Lord Jesus, to make us more like him. So when a parent tries to push and push and push your children to change, push and push your husband to make something else out of him, or push and push your wife, look, my dear brother and sister, you are not the Holy Spirit. When you try to take over the role of the Holy Spirit, you put a big stone in your rucksack. You make it difficult for yourself to live the Christian life. Of course, we talk with our children, with our partner. But eventually, only the Holy Spirit can bring in those changes. Now, sometimes, as we live here on earth, we cause problems to each other. 
Have you ever hurt somebody else? I'm sure you have. I have too. Have you ever been hurt by somebody? It can be sometimes someone in the church. It can be an uncle, an aunt, someone in school. And we're hurt. What do we do when we're hurt? If we grudge and take resentment, that's a big stone to carry. The Lord Jesus teaches us to learn to forgive in the name of Christ. Forgive, let go. Colossians 3.13, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you have against each other. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. This forgiveness is a beautiful topic and a very, you know, there's much more to say. But when we learn to forgive from our heart, we take a big stone out of our rucksack. We're not pretending it's not sin. No, no, no. It is sin. We recognize it is sin, that someone has sinned against us. And in the name of Jesus, we forgive. We let go. And a burden comes off our shoulders. There's another illustration of these burdens, unnecessary burdens we carry. Some people wake up in the morning, they go to the bathroom, they look at themselves in the mirror, and they think, oh, my hair, oh, my nose, oh, my ears, oh, they find something with themselves which they're not happy. Either too short, or too high, or too plump, or too something. They're not happy with the body the Lord has given them. In the last few years, we hear more about also that you think, oh, I'm not happy with the body. I'm born a man and I want to be a woman. I feel like a woman. I'm unsatisfied with the body the Lord has chosen to give me and the gender. Fighting against the body God has given me. Feeling dissatisfied with it, you put a big burden on your shoulders. Now it is important to clean our body, you know, cut your hair properly and smell good and do the best what you can with it. But essentially, the body is something we receive from the Lord. We need to learn to accept it with gratitude and live with the limitations it presents us and within the possibilities it presents us. Once we learn to accept the body the Lord has given us, we take a big burden out of our shoulders. Lord, thank you for that burden, for that body you have given me. Happy, satisfied, content with who the Lord has made us. I see the time is coming to an end. Now I'd like to give you one more example of one of these unnecessary burdens, and then we'll conclude. Um, and this burden, I don't find it really among new Christians. It is a burden I find among older Christians, people who've lived, you know, maybe five, ten years as a Christian, or more years, maybe 20 or 30 years. I'll try to explain it this way. Just imagine that uh, Jesus, the way Jesus lived, he's a number 10. And the more we live, the more... The, 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 the more we you know the more we live closer to Jesus, the more we look like Jesus, we start going up the scale. Now none of us reaches number 10. He's perfect. But you know, um, some people are, you know, 
what, what, what number would you give yourself? How spiritual are you? What, what does your Christian life look like? Would you give yourself a, an eight or a five or a six or a nine or, or three? How, what, what number would you give yourself? Now, um, maybe you think, well, I would say maybe six, six and a half, seven or something. Now, let's say a six. You think, well, I'm just about, you know, I'm growing, but it's about six now. The problem is that other people, usually other people think that we are more spiritual than what we really are. So you might say, honestly thinking, I put my heart, I think I'm a, I'm a six. But maybe people in your church think that you're a number eight. And when you hear people talking about you, thinking you're a number eight, you quite like that idea that you're number eight, that they think you are a number eight. So you are number six and they think you're number eight. And this difference between six and eight becomes a very dangerous thing. Because we like that image of eight, we try to pretend a spirituality we haven't got yet. And when you try to pretend spirituality in your Christian life, you put a massive big brick in your rucksack. Because you always have to try to give the impression you're more spiritual than what you are. And that makes the living the Christian life very difficult. Here's my tip, my dear brother and sister. None of us is high enough. We're all kind of growing in our Christian life. If you're a five or a six or a seven, that's okay. Keep on growing in the grace with Christ and cry to grow. But don't try to pretend you're more than what you are. When we try to pretend, we only make the life, the Christian life, more difficult. And I've noticed, too, that when we pretend something, we're very sharp to defend ourselves. If you're trying to pretend to be an eight and someone thinks you're a six or a seven, you get quite annoyed to try to defend your image. Relax. Be yourself. And if you're a five or a six or a seven, that's okay. Keep on trying to grow. To grow every day more in the image of the Lord Jesus. Okay, we've come to a time to close now. What I've hoped to share or try to share with you is that the Christian life is a journey where we have different kinds of weights. It's important to see which are the are appropriate weights and which ones are the non-appropriate. If the Lord has used this, this morning something to, to bring your attention, oh, I am carrying an unnecessary weight. Identify the lie you believed and reject the lie and the weight comes out of your rucksack. Reject the lie and lift the burden out of your rucksack. But those burdens which are appropriate, those responsibilities in the church, in your family, in your job, maybe with sickness, things the Lord does expect you to carry, then the tip is receive them from the Lord. Receive that task in your church, not from a fellow human, fellow Christian. You're not doing it for them. You're doing it for the Lord. Receive that task from the Lord. Receive that child, that difficult situation. Receive it from the Lord and say, Lord Jesus, I cannot carry this alone. I come to you under your yoke. I put my neck there and together we carry this. In fact, we should not carry any weight we cannot share 
with Jesus. Lord, we thank you that you invite us again this morning to come and share our burdens with you. Help us, Lord, to identify the unnecessary burdens and kick them out of our life. And the necessary ones, the good ones, the appropriate ones, help us to carry these responsibilities in a good way, in a healthy way, together with you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless. Amen, Brother Philip. If you can hear me, thank you very much for sharing. And I'll go ahead and end the Zoom meeting now. And then um, we will just make a few announcements and uh, go on with our meeting here. But thank you very much. That was a, uh, a wonderful word and it encouraged me. God bless you.